Welcome. My name is Craig, one of the pastors on staff here at Blackhawk Church. And welcome to Blackhawk Church, a church in three locations. Well, one location, your location, and uh, we're so glad that you're joining us, whether that's from your home, whether it's uh, online uh, in terms of uh, watching or listening. So again, so glad you're here, and it's Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day, and uh, we always know that this is a day that can be complicated for uh, many of us, and so um, I just want to say that uh, that's true in my own life, that uh, uh, it's a day that's kind of a, a mixed bag. So uh, this coming Tuesday will be uh, 12 and a half years since my mom passed away. And she left this world sooner than we were expecting. And then there's my wife, Sharon, who's the mother of our four children. Four children. So I'm pretty much compelled to celebrate Mother's Day every day. And then our daughter, Paige, who uh, is pregnant with her first, our first grandchild, and so we're excited about that for sure, except here she is pregnant in the middle of a global health crisis. So a complicated day in complicated times, and yet, mothers, we celebrate you. So uh, yeah, complicated days, uh, unprecedented times, uh, uncertain times. That's the whole reason that we're doing this current series that we're on. And that series is entitled, Take Heart. And those words come from the words of Jesus as he was the night before he went to the cross, uh, encouraging his disciples. And that comes from the verse, John 16, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I hope that you're putting that to memory and uh, hope that you found our lock screen with the verse on it. Um, I look at that every morning when I wake up and every evening before I go to bed. And it's a real encouragement to me. And that's exactly what we want this series to be, is an encouragement. That as we're in these uncertain times, that we would recalibrate, we'd recenter on what it means to be followers of Christ in these uncertain days. So... Trouble in the world, where do we start, right? I mean, the troubles that we're facing right now, the significant ones are, are really serious. There are people that are dying, people that are continuing to get sick from a virus that we don't yet have a vaccine for. We have frontline workers who are risking their own health. And then we have people facing really major financial challenges right now. But I think all of us are feeling and facing the troubles in this time whether big or whether small. And in my own household the other day, it was proclaimed, here's a trouble. Um, why is it that all the things, it seems, that make me happy have been taken away? And none of us argued. None of us disagreed. Things like uh, going out to a favorite restaurant, like going to a concert, gathering as church, and uh, the handshakes, the hugs, um, being able to go to uh, a favorite uh, venue that we enjoy. And so what we're realizing is that uh, uh, as these things are taken away, they're things that naturally just bring happiness. And so as we're feeling that loss in these times, we realize that happiness, well, happiness happens. Happiness is connected to circumstances. We would say that happiness is even dependent on circumstance. And, and as our circumstances change, 
we can see um, that our happiness quotient would rise. But today's talk is not happiness in uncertain times, but rather joy in uncertain times. Joy. It's different than happiness. Joy, it's hard to define, but I think we know it when we experience it. I think it has a depth to it, and, and yes, it comes when we experience really, really good things, but I think it actually is experienced best when we experience it in challenging times because it's not as dependent on circumstances. Here's what I mean. remember watching my wife go through childbirth and going through all of that pain and all of that agony, and then at the end, to have her beaming with the biggest smile on her face, and then to have simultaneously tears dripping down the side of her face. Tears of joy, we would say. I imagine many of us have been to a funeral. And it can even be hard to get up the day of and go, because we know there's going to be a a collective sadness, kind of a, a somberness to the event. But in almost every funeral that I've been to, there's a moment where someone shares a story. Someone recounts a, a memory or a personality trait, and then everyone is laughing. Sometimes deep, deep laughter. And there's this immediate sense, and you can almost feel it. Is, is this okay? Is this allowed? And then usually the person up front telling the story says, no, I think, I think they would want us to experience this. I was that person at my mom's funeral. I recounted how my mom and dad met. They were two young people with Midwest roots who met each other playing beach volleyball in Southern California. We would often joke that it's like they must have met on the set of Beach Blanket Bingo, the movie. Okay, well, now I've just completely aged myself, and um, no need to put it on your list because it's only 5.2 on IMDb. But there I was recounting the story, and every one of us was laughing. We were laughing in the midst of that sadness. We were experiencing joy in the midst of loss and grief. And you know, the Bible speaks of happiness and joy in these ways. And that God's deep desire for us is to know his joy, a fruit of his spirit. And that we would know that his joy shines brightest in the darkness. Now, there's a number of verses that we could look at that would help us understand joy throughout scripture. But I think it's best understood through story and illustration. And that's why I want to turn to the story of a person in the Bible named Habakkuk. And to look at his uh, unlikely encounter with joy in his uncertain times. Now, you may be saying, Habba who? And that's fair enough. He only gets a small three-chapter book towards the end of the Old Testament, five books from the end. And he was a prophet, prophet at the same time as Jeremiah the prophet. And he had the same task as prophets of that time, that God wanted him to bring God's message to God's people. And that message summed up would be, stop wandering away from God and return to the Lord your God. And Habakkuk, like other prophets of his day, lived in challenging, uncertain times. As Habakkuk looked at his setting and his surrounding, what he saw was injustice and oppression, 
What he saw among God's people was corruption and, and spiritual apathy. And it laid heavy on his heart. It broke his heart. And he wondered, is God going to respond to this? Is God, does God care? Where is God in the midst of this? And it's a story where we really don't expect joy to show up anywhere. But then, in the end of the book, almost surprisingly, and almost out of nowhere, joy occurs. Let's turn to Habakkuk, the third chapter, verses 17 through 18, and I'll read it for us. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, and though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Now that's where the book ends. And if we go to the beginning of the book, we realize that there's a journey that Habakkuk is on that takes him towards God's joy. Now, today we don't have time to go through all three of the chapters verse by verse and look at all of it, but I want to highlight today some of the key themes and lessons, both for Habakkuk, but also for our own lives in regards to God's joy. So as we turn to the beginning of the book of Habakkuk, we need to remember that Habakkuk was in a situation where he looked around and felt the challenges. It wasn't a global pandemic, but as he looked around, what he saw were broken people in a broken world. And it pained him greatly. It was heavy on his heart. He was discouraged. He was even angry. And where we find him at the very beginning of this book is crying out to God. Because what he does with all of that pain is he turns to God in prayer. So Habakkuk 1, verses 2 to 3. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. The beginning of this story, there's no grasping for joy in Habakkuk. There's no trying to have a better attitude to experience joy. No, he has raw emotion and pain and he brings it right to God. Three weeks ago, Pastor Chris reminded us that God is a God that we can come with all of our complaints. Our God is a God who can receive all of our laments, that we can beat on his heart, on his chest, with what's on our hearts. And that's important to know. And why that's so important to know is that God wants us to engage with him. Because when we're facing the hardest of times and we're feeling emotions like Habakkuk, there's actually a temptation to pull away from God because we don't see where he's at work. But God is a God who always wants us to engage. Our God is a God who always wants us to be willing to engage him rather than to disengage because what our God desires most is relationship. And that's exactly what we find Habakkuk doing. So I want to pause right here and say, does that characterize our prayer lives? Now, it seems to me that there's so many things that we can be complaining about in these days. 
You may be carrying great burdens for yourself or for people that you care for. I just found out this week that a dear friend of mine, his father has just come down with COVID-19 and he's struggling. And my friend is feeling the pain of that because he's unable to be with his father. But I haven't made that my prayer until I bring that to God in prayer, honestly and openly. And again, why is that so important? It's important because as we do that, we allow God into the deepest places of our hearts, our hopes, our pain. And God wants to meet us right there because God wants to remind us that he's a God who's not far away and not aloof, but rather near. And that's exactly how God responds to Habakkuk. If we continue on in Habakkuk, Habakkuk 1.5, God responds to Habakkuk, Look at the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. God's response lets Habakkuk know that he's not checked out, that he's not aloof and forgotten. In fact, he's almost showing his graciousness in, in not revealing his plan just yet because of how hard it'll be to believe. God reminds Habakkuk that he is a God who has a plan and will carry it out in his timing. Now, in the next two chapters of this book, God reveals his plans to Habakkuk. He reveals what he's going to be doing in the world in which Habakkuk lives. And part of that plan is to use the neighboring Babylonians to come and to to respond to the injustices that are happening in Judah. And Habakkuk hears this from God, and, and his response is just like we read in Habakkuk 1.5. Habakkuk can't believe that this is going to be God's plan. How can you use, and I paraphrase, how can you use corrupt Babylon to bring forth your plans, God? How can you tolerate wrong? Wait, wait, God, how could this be your plan? But Habakkuk brings that to God. Habakkuk brings that complaint. He brings that disagreement with God's plan to God in prayer. And rather than walk away after he does so, we read that Habakkuk then waits on the Lord. Habakkuk 2.1, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I'm to give to this complaint. What I want to draw our attention to is that in the middle of this book, what we have is this back and forth, this engagement of God's prophet with God and, and Habakkuk bringing his laments and then God responding and Habakkuk bringing his questions, bringing his disagreements. And it's this wonderful interchange and it's very personal, it's very raw and it's very real. And I love that about this book. And it's important to note that never, never does God rebuke or tell Habakkuk that he shouldn't be bringing his questions or complaints or disagreements to God. God welcomes them. When I think of Habakkuk and the world in which he lived and he, and he, he saw the injustices and he, and he saw the corruption, he saw leaders who were failing to lead, he saw uh, morals dropping, he, he couldn't believe what he was saying and, and I think has much changed in the world. 
And my question to us is, are we willing to go to God with those questions? Are we willing to grapple with God with the questions and even the ways in which we're wondering where God is, like Habakkuk? Now, you may say to me, well, that's nice, Craig. We don't get to interact with God that way. We're we're not a prophet in the Old Testament who's able to talk to God and have that kind of interchange. Well, I I wonder if actually we have something better that we have the whole story and that God is still a God who wants us to engage him with our questions. God is still a God who wants us to come with our disagreements, even our doubts, and to turn to his word and to dig deep. I think especially in a time where we're experiencing the challenges that we're in, that God wants us to be people who turn to his word that he's still a God who welcomes that. And we do that best here at Blackhawk Church in groups. And even right now, we are starting new life groups. And if you've never been in a life group, um, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to consider signing up for a life group. We have new groups that are starting right now and and meeting online with each other. We've also um, created another tool for us during this time, and it's our Abide podcast. It's another way to have us be in God's word for encouragement and to root us in the truth of who our God is. I've been really benefiting from this, almost surprisingly so, um, because I'm in a men's community group this past year, and now we're, well, we're meeting via Zoom. I don't know if anyone else does meetings via Zoom right now, but that's what we're doing. And, And what I'm finding is we listen to these podcasts, and we allow God's word to, uh, to basically be the, the foundation on which our conversations start. And we wrestle with things that we're dealing with in our lives. And, and then we share those things as prayer requests and we, we support one another in prayer. What I'm finding is that I don't know how we'd be making it through these days without it. That it's holding me accountable. That what I'm finding is, is it's encouraging me and causing me to be real, not only with the guys in my group, but also with God. Well, let me return us back to Habakkuk. What we find in all of what God shares with Habakkuk, all of his plans that he shares with Habakkuk, that there's one phrase that God more than anything wants to make sure Habakkuk hears, and it's these short words in Habakkuk 2.4. But the righteous person will live by faith. Habakkuk is struggling to put his head around God's plans, and yet God is inviting him to trust. God is wanting to say to Habakkuk, Habakkuk, I'm God and I've got this. He's encouraging him on to further, a further journey of faith with his God. And we know that this is a, a message that he's to bring to all of God's people in that time, but it's not only for their time. For these short words, this short passage shows up three times in the New Testament. In Romans 1.7, in Galatians 3.11, and in Hebrews 10.38. It's a message for the generations to hear that we're to walk by faith. 
And what we find as we look at where this lands in the middle of this book and all that's come before it is that this honest and real interchange between Habakkuk and his God, that the relationship that's been formed and grows becomes the soil in which God can grow faith in Habakkuk that leads to joy. So that takes me to the end of the book again where we started. And as we go back there, I want to remind us that as we come to the end of this book, Habakkuk, though he's still wrestling with God's plan, is beginning to allow himself to have faith that God has got this. But as he does so, he realizes that his current situation is challenging, but it actually might get harder still. And so we read in Habakkuk 3.16 that as he puts his head around what God is about to do, it causes his heart to pound, his lips to quiver, decay creeps into his bones, his legs are trembling. He was a man terrified. And yet in that desolate place where nothing is growing and in that place where he's feeling terror, Habakkuk realizes that he still has a place where God can grow joy in him. So let's go back to those verses that I read at the very beginning in Habakkuk 3, 17 to 18. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pan and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. There are no unimportant words here in this last part that help us understand God's joy. Beginning with yet. Yet. A word of that communicates surprise. It's unexpected. It shouldn't happen here because of all that's happening, this situation, this circumstances, and yet joy. And then the words, I will. What they communicate in Habakkuk is that faith and trust has started to take root in him. Those, these aren't words of grasping. If they're also not passive. They're Words that say that he's choosing, I will, I am choosing to trust God, I'm choosing to know your joy. It's really Habakkuk saying, Amen. And then that short word, in, in the Lord, probably the most important of all of these. For Habakkuk knows that his joy is to be in God, not in changing circumstances, not in a change of his own attitude, but rather to be grounded in God, in his Lord. And that that then becomes God's gift back to him. And it's the byproduct of his relationship of faith with God. Now Habakkuk's journey towards joy is, is not a formula for us for joy, but rather... 
Rather, there are principles here and lessons for us that we don't want to miss. What do we learn about joy from Habakkuk? Well, one is that it's often unexpected because it's not dependent on circumstances. It's a byproduct of an authentic, trusting relationship with God. And the source of true joy is God and is always a gift from him. And I think what Habakkuk learns more than anything is that God's joy shines brightest in the darkness. I'd like to share with you a story. I'd like to share with you a story of my friend Jane and her journey towards joy. And she's given me permission to share this story with you, and I've changed her name for privacy's sake. But the phone call came about eight weeks ago. And Jane's voice had a, a franticness and urgentness to it. And immediately I knew why. She had told me that her daughter, who had just experienced a major health crisis, was being medevaced to one of the downtown hospitals in Madison. So that evening I was able to be with the family. I was able to gather together with them and we prayed and we, we cried and we, we hugged. Her daughter's life was in the balance. And her daughter made it through that first evening and, and then a second evening. But there were so many machines and, and so many procedures yet to be done. About three mornings in, Jane gave me a call. And I could tell there was a lightness in her voice. And, and she said, Craig, I want to tell you what's just happened to me. I went to... I, Last night I was, I was praying, I was crying out to God and you know, Pastor Chris always tells us that we can beat on God's chest and I was doing just that and, and, and as I did that, what came to mind were different scripture passages and then I realized that my prayer was truly, God, give me strength for today and hope for tomorrow and then I eventually fell asleep. And she said, Craig, when I woke up in the morning, I just knew. I just knew that, and it wasn't like I was telling God how it had to turn out or, or what the outcome, I just knew that God's got this. It was like God was telling me, Jane, you can trust me. You can trust me no matter the outcome. I've got this. And she said, Craig, I began to experience this lightness. I, I, I experienced this deep sense of assurance. And I told Jane, I said, Jane, I think God's giving you the gift of joy right now. And her response was, I know, I know. And, and it's, it's almost unbelievable. It's, it, you're the only person that I could imagine telling this to, Craig. Well, the story doesn't end there. It was a long journey, and it was hard, and there were a lot of challenges. There were days with a lot of drama, and yet there was a lot of prayer, a, still a lot of beating on God's chest. There was a lot of scripture verses shared as others began to pray, and, and yet it was still very uncertain how it would turn out. I mean, COVID-19 layered on top of this as well, and so... Jane was not even able to visit her daughter, nor was the rest of the family or even her daughter's husband. 
But just two weeks ago, two weeks ago, her daughter came home. It is a story with a really, really good ending. But, but her story's not finished yet, though, is it? Like, none of ours are finished yet. But what I learned in watching Jane's faith grow and watching her journey towards joy is that my faith grew. And I began to experience joy. It was as if the joy that Jane had was, can I say it? Contagious. <laughs> that it was meant to be shared. It's like the fact that the end of Habakkuk's book is a song and it's, it's meant to be sung. Meant to be sung by all of God's people. And Jane's journey is, is not a formula either. But what I watched is that Jane was honest with God and, and then honest with herself. She was on a journey that she didn't ask to be on, nor did her daughter or the rest of their family. But as she opened up and was honest with God and allowed him to speak into her, she realized that God had joy for her and that it shined brightest in the darkness. I want to go back to where we started. Because we're all on a journey that none of us has to be on right now. We're all on a, on a journey with the rest of the world that none of us signed up for. And we can wait for circumstances to change. And some will change for sure. But we're living in very uncertain times. And so we can put our our trust and our hope there. Or we can put our trust and our hope in a God who wants us to know that he's got this. A God whom we can trust no matter what the future might bring. We can wait for happiness when, or we can turn and allow God to show us the joy that he has for us now. I want to read to you where the book of Habakkuk ends. The very last words of the book of Habakkuk are these, Habakkuk 3.19. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights for the director of music on my stringed instruments. What a beautiful, strong ending to this song that's meant to be sung through the generations. And what we see is that the that joy has taken root in Habakkuk and that now he can know strength for the future no matter what comes. And I think of the beautiful image that's in this passage of a deer, a deer up on the heights. It's a joyful image. It's, it's joy combined with strength to bring assuredness. It's sure-footedness in the face of whatever challenge might come. And I know that what God wants for us is to allow him to grow joy in us that we too might know strength for a future no matter what may come. And when I think of the joy that we have today to be able to celebrate communion together, I think that's there's no better way for us to end because we have the whole story. 
And God wants to anchor us in the truth that he wants to be our joy, he wants to be our strength, and he wants to be our savior. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for the story of Habakkuk. God, we live in a time that's challenging like the one that he lived in. And God, it's easy to think that we ought to just wait until things get better. And yet, God, you're saying that you have for us a joy that's not dependent on circumstances, that you have for us a desire that we grow in trust of you and that we, God, would know the joy that you have for us. And I pray that we would honestly and openly engage with you so that you would go into those deepest places in our life and remind us that you're not far off and that you have good things for us. And God, I pray that we would know that good gifts like your joy shine brightest even in the darkness. Amen.